Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm sure you're shocked to find out that I am here with Nick. You are? I am. I am. And and honestly, I joke because they shouldn't be shocked. I really want to meet that guy. (laughs) So how are you today? I'm doing really well. I am looking over my list of things to do for tomorrow, and it's getting longer and longer by the second, but I'm excited to get this stuff done. Well, I know we usually, like talk about personal life and stuff but i want to bring up have you seen in the news that bill gates would like to work on blocking the sun to mitigate climate change well i'm going to stop you no i don't watch the news because they don't put anything up there worth watching it's all bs i don't i don't pay attention to any of it but no i have not heard that and I would like to believe that it isn't real because that is the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Because without the sun, we don't have a climate. <laughs> so I immediately had to research it because you know, much like the the Elon Musk million dollars to find a better carbon capture, I'm like, man, this cannot be another rich guy looking for a shortcut. Because we know how to curb climate change. It's a reduction of, of consumption and respect to the planet and building our economy in a way that balances with the planet. But it, it, as of late, it just seems like every rich guy out there just wants to buy his way out of it. And I'm thinking, come on, not Bill Gates. Bill Gates spends a lot of his money on great things on this planet. That can't be true. Well, and it sounds like you're getting ready to tell me it was true. So... I got to tell you, the moment I dug into it, it was tough because I don't know if you know this or not. Bill Gates is like the number one conspiracy like target these days. And it was he was he was trying to create nuclear winters. He has cold resistant seeds, so he'll be the only one that can produce food if he blocks the sun. No, no. (laughs) Hold on. Okay, that right there. That right there doesn't make sense. It's a you conspiracy can, theory. It usually doesn't. No, just just the phrase "cold resistant seeds." <laughs> he'll be the only one that has food when he blocks the sun. If you block the sun, there's no light. If there's no light, you don't have plants. Right. You can't have so, can't have photosynthesis without sunlight. What it was is it's a company called it's called it's a, it's called Scope X is the project, and what they are trying to figure out is. If what how different materials in the stratosphere 
react with the sun and what it would do to planets for geoengineering. Not necessarily blocking the sun for climate change, but if you think about putting material in the stratosphere of Mars to increase temperatures. So what they're trying to do is build a reliable model, computer model, so that they can take different kinds of materials, put it into that model, and see how that planet geoengineers. Um, that sounds like they're changing the density of the atmosphere. In some sense, they're in some ways, but they're not doing any of it. None or, of it they're capable of doing. Well, it's because it's it's ludicrous. We can't even get people to other planets, <laughs> which means they'd have to test it here, which is a really big problem. Also, if you're not going to change the density of the atmosphere, then you're putting the giant magnifying glass up there, which is still stupid. It's uh, it is just a simulation project that when. It was picked up by all the news agencies. It somehow went from he's financing a company to build these simulations to Bill Gates is blocking the sun. <laughs> I don't understand how people like I understand clickbait, but my everything about that doesn't make sense. None of was... it makes sense. Like none of it. Like not a single lick of that. Like, okay, you block the sun. Great. Well, what are we gonna do for light? Well, I guess we better turn on the lights well we need to produce power oh we, we don't have we don't have any um <laughs> we don't have any solar okay well i guess we're gonna have to to burn everything oh okay our, our, our atmosphere is destroyed what about plants they clean the air well they're dead because there's no sunlight um right <laughs> i know I'm, I, I know i'm being dramatic about this but like Literally, our only option is, up. Oh, turn the power plants on. Better hope to God the nuclear is going to work. Oh, they haven't been updated in 40 years? Great. Let's do it. <laughs> so <We're> toast. <laughs> that's why I thought I'd bring that one up. That was another fun moment of, that's what happens when you happen to turn on the news to see what's going on. I try not to do it very often. I What I like to do is find what is happening and then click on the sources well, when you get the Bill Gates blocking the sun, they all source themselves. So I think you'd have better luck going to Walmart and going to the end cap and getting the tabloid. I think that'd be better. Right. So anyways, that's all I wanted to talk about that because I thought it was really funny and I made oh a short. My God. I did make a short about it so you can get a brain freeze a second time. It's so ridiculous. So this week, though, interesting topic, human death and sustainability. Okay. That are those are two things currently at odds because there is nothing sustainable about how we die. Okay. So I'm going to preface anything we talk about right now, that anything I talk about with this topic is going to be completely objective with my emotions turned off. Cause some of the stuff I might say, it's going to make me sound cold and heartless. And people need to know that I'm just prefacing with this is on purpose, not because I truly feel this way, but if we're going to talk about human death and sustainability, there may be, parts of this conversation that are a bit uncomfortable and i'm not gonna be a bleeding heart for this wow you went straight for a disclaimer yeah <laughs> okay well that is our first disclaimer episode so this should definitely be interesting it's it is not sustainable how we die how we have created death is or how we function through death is not sustainable even getting to death is not sustainable. The way we use hospitals, the amount of resources we use, all the things that go into us as we are dying. But it is worse when we're gone. You realize that like people put more effort and more resources into keeping someone in their late 
late years alive, another 365 days than they do at any point throughout their life before that to help them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, again, there's all these different ways we can be healthier, but it's, it's at the end that we feel uh, compelled to extend and, and yes, there's extenuating circumstances, but I'll, I'll be honest. If it's my mom, I'm, I'm pouring every resource, you know, for that extra month, that extra two months or whatever it happens. Of course. To be. And, and I think anyone that was sane and loved their family would do that. And that's why I said, I am going to sound cold when I say the things I'm going to say, but we can't do that. Well, and I look at it, if we're going to put every resource we can to keep people with us, once they are gone, this, a lot has to change. Because, and before we even really start this discussion, I remember saying years ago, how in the heck does each person get their own little piece of earth when they die? There's going to be a lot more people after me, and there was a crap load of people before me. That isn't sustainable. Not at all. You can't well, have all this land with boxes that don't rot in them. Okay, that's that's half true. I, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of time to do any research on this topic, so I don't know when the current style of casket came into play, but for a long time, wooden boxes weren't a thing that actually happened. The other part of it being that a lot of those wooden boxes were literally just wooden boxes, so that really wasn't that bad. At that point, it just becomes a piece of land that can't be used for decades and decades and decades because people believe that there's some superstitious right to it or there's so some spiritual quality they go there and, and they have this emotional connection connection when they talk to their loved ones and there's a number of reasons why that the the grave site is significant in our day-to-day lives but ultimately what i'd be interested in finding out is like the current like cadillac style casket you know the nine ten thousand dollar super expensive wooden last ride box when did that become a thing when did that industry come you know around because those are the ones that aren't sustainable at all well, the cur- current funeral process is completely unsustainable, not just the land and honestly, not just the casket, some, you know, the tombs, because not only do you have the invincible casket, but we put it in a cement tomb. You have preserving the body so that it doesn't go back to the earth, even if it did, if for any reason it made it through the tomb, then the box, the body isn't going to rot. Mm hmm. You have the financial side. The National Funeral Directors Association averages the cost of every funeral. And in the United States, the average cost, $8,500. That's outlandish. That is the average in the United. So that's the average. There's a lot that just go the most inexpensive way. And then there's some that are just lavish. Mm-hmm. So there, So it's not just land use tombs. It's all these resources, including the finances. And we both had a grandmother who was once shipped across the country. Yeah. There's flowers. The flower industry for funerals is a a tremendous amount of unsustainable energy put into one single funeral. Yeah, you're skipping one of the biggest parts of embodied injury, the massive slab of polished, fine granite stone that's been chiseled. I'm sorry, cut removed probably in some slave country bought here chiseled polished and then sent hundreds and thousands of miles to sit in a spot of dirt and rot until until everyone that could have possibly had known that person to love them is gone then they just remove it and they start over yeah so the current system not okay not working it, it is it is lucrative for a few 
but it is unsustainable for all. Of all the things that you and I have talked about on here, this may be one of the ones that is the hardest to really emphasize um, the change that needs to be made because this isn't even necessarily a sustainability change. Well, it is, and that's that's the root of the problem. It's not uh, the basis of where it needs to be attacked at. This is a culture thing. This is 100% a spiritual family-oriented thing if you tell anyone you know like okay like we're gonna use you as an example like what do you want to happen with you when you die what did you tell me uh plant me under a tree okay so that is bizarre by most people's standards most people want to have a funeral or most people for their loved ones are going to have a funeral and they're going to have you know some kind of ceremony they're probably going to have a meal afterwards they're going to put a lot of time and effort into getting together talk about how much they miss you and it's just well it's nice to have people get together but it'd be even better if we got together when i was still there yeah yeah that that, that, that that's kind of my point like i said it's, <laughs> it's a culture issue on one hand you know you have all these different things practices items single use moments if you will that only happen when you die and it's not it's not favorable to the future of the planet to only exercise that kind of stuff. And in terms of the future dynamics of your family, yeah, it'd be a lot better if you guys got together when we're all alive. It'd be a lot better. Why Why wait for tragedy to come together to talk about whatever it is you're going to talk about? And I, I guess I really despise this industry. Well, and that's okay. So personal, I know I don't always give a personal feeling on this show. When some of the the last few I've been to, the 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 most impactful was my cousin hmm. and what those individuals who ran that facility did to my aunt has really made me feel like that industry is not only unsustainable but it's predatorial very much so they are I, and i say they so if you're listening and you work at a place or own a place you're you know prove me wrong prove me wrong i say they from my experience so not every place is the same but my in my experience, there is upselling done on the emotions of your family. Yeah, I, that goes without saying. I mean, have you actually looked? Have you ever seen a showroom for caskets? Uh, I have. I didn't have to go to the last two, but I certainly saw the jewelry and all the other things that you should have to buy along with it. I'm just saying, like when when, when someone dies, okay, especially if it's your son or it's your daughter, it's your parent, it's your loved one. It, your sibling, someone near and dear to your heart has passed away. It doesn't prove that you love them anymore to spend your life savings to bury them in things that are going to sit in the ground. Like, it's probably one of the most ridiculously irresponsible purchases that people get talked into making. They spend more on a piece of wood that's going to go in the ground than they probably spent in their last two vehicles. Yeah. Like, I, ha- I hate to say that, but it's ridiculous. Like, it doesn't matter how you lay someone to rest did you love them yes are they gone yes is it heartbreaking and tragic absolutely what would be better served to honor their memory get together with your family and friends tell stories have a great time remembering them or spend 10 grand throw them in a really shiny cedar box that's got really fluffy pillows on the inside and has been like chiseled by some slave in china like why just just why what is the purpose in that does it make you a better person if that makes you feel better that they died you need you have to get right with yourself that the money isn't oh my god i'm angry well and i think i think it's human nature to struggle with endings i mean shoot we struggle with 
with the ending of when kids move out. We struggle with the end of jobs. We struggle with retirement. When things change and, and humans struggle. Change is inevitably something, you're right, that people do struggle with. And the end is bad, but everything ends. I end, you end, we will all end one day. Right. And so what they, I believe this extravagance, and it's not just our generation. I mean, Pharaoh's got a little out of hand with theirs, but Mm -hmm. um, it is, it is this high intensive resource type scenario that doesn't necessarily need to exist. I'm perfectly fine with you sticking me on a raft and hitting me with a flaming arrow as I move out, just so I can feel like a Viking. Uh, you know, there's a if, lot of different things we could that aren't necessarily devastating to our planet. Because in a few minutes, I'm going to give you some other stats that are mind boggling. I like mind boggling. The other thing is, is some of the things we are obsolete. Now, granted, there was a period in time that we might have buried some people that weren't dead. That term saved by the bell. It's not just Jack Mor- or Zach Morris. It is, it, it, we used to tie a bell to inside of a casket. So if someone woke up in that box, which by the way, would be absolutely terrifying, they could ring the bell and people would hopefully hear it and run out and dig them up. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. When people pass, we know they've passed. Yeah, well, yeah, there's that, but also... We embalm them. So I was going <laughs> to say, like, they're, whether they were dead or not, when they were dead, they're definitely dead now. Right. So some of those things, like the tomb or extravagant boxes with extra space, if you will, those are, that's an obsolete thing. That's just something that slowly carried over when we no longer needed it to. Well, yeah, that, but also tombs were popularized by you know the the notion of like pharaohs in egypt and and the idea of buried treasure and people being buried with their things their belongings so then thousands of years later people hunt for it and look for it they become legends and myths and it's romanticized in a way that gives it a grandiose that's just not relevant to today's day daily life i mean there's 330 million people in like our country how many of those people have that kind of money and notoriety where they're going to be buried like that I'm sure well, some will, for sure, but how many, though? And I assume if you had that kind of money and, and notoriety you, in, in the digital age, you're leaving your mark in a different way. Well, I'm just saying, though, like, I mean, 330 million, what, five people are going to have that kind of ego? Right, right. So Reuters reported a stat for the average funeral. Okay. Not counting the visitors, just the funeral. So it doesn't count the energy of all the visitors coming from wherever. Okay. Just that $8,500 funeral. Think of it that way. That, that middle ground basic it has the same carbon footprint as a 500 mile car journey, which I honestly think is low. Maybe. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of pro- parts of that process I'm not familiar with. I really don't know what the, is involved in the embalming process. I don't know what's involved in um, getting bodies ready. Also, okay, this is going to add some extra body energy for you. Someone dies, most people either A, bury them in their favorite outfit, which they already had picked out, or B, buy them something brand new. That's yeah. let's, let's add another, you know, countless amount of energy to, to their outfit. Let's buy them a brand new pair of pearl earrings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that is more common than you would think. First thing is, is embalming necessary? It is. We only embalm so that people look preserved. They, we want them to look like they did before they died for us. 
Yeah, this is that culture thing. You know, people feel like they need to go and they need to pay their respects to a lifeless corpse. When your loved one dies, I'm sorry to say, they're not that body anymore. So does that body have to be dollied up and made to look pretty for you to go there and say your goodbye? If you want to wish your loved ones farewell or, or pay respects to the living, do that. Please do that. But the body's not relevant. I think I'm more comfortable with that being closed and just the room filled with photos of me with the people who were there. I think that would be immensely better seeing photos of vibrant moments. I don't think I'd want to be preserved in that manner because you know me, I want to be nutrients. I want to be something back to the earth and uh, (laughs) embalming ends that option, ends it completely. Even, even if you're going to be cremated, which I've been to funerals where the casket is rented because <laughs> because you're going to be involved or oh sorry my. you're going to be you're going to be uh uh cremated <laughs> oh it's a taxi it's a death taxi that's <laughs> awesome so it is i mean that's just a new way to create a, a revenue i'm assuming but <laughs> it's 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 starting to get comical reuse, like use reuse recycle that that box is the uber to the over to the stove like that's just doesn't make any sense to me i don't even if you're going to be if you're going to be cremated don't be involved well it doesn't make any sense at all to i have a very different perspective on this than the average person as you do too i i'm not i'm not a traditional person in the sense that like i could care less about funerals and about about like what happens when i die you could throw me off a cliff feed me to a great white Give me to a bunch of alley. I don't care. I'm going to be dead. What am I going to care? My family would be better served, in my opinion, looking at photos and memories of me and discussing things we've done in the past than staring at my lifeless blob in a box. For starters, it's going to look like a can of burst biscuits. It's not a good idea. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's kind of. But on the other side of it, have you ever touched a dead person? No. I, it, no. It's It's unsettling. I would assume it's, so. It's, I would assume that anybody who thought it wouldn't be would be confusing to me. It's unsettling, and it's not a matter of thinking. I mean, yeah, you can think about it all you want, but it, you don't realize, like, when you touch your wife, touch your kids, you just put your hand on theirs, and you feel, like, this warmth, this energy going through them, and then when you touch uh, a you former loved one, you know, a lifeless husk that used to be your grandma or your aunt, you know, just say your final goodbye, to, to kiss them on the cheek or to hold their hand one more time, it it's like holding a piece of wood. There's nothing there. Right. Regardless of the way it looks, even even the skin feels different. It, it, it's it's something that, and it sticks with you, man. It's so unsettling and it's disgusting. And I know I've taken a lot of heat because in situations where a loved one has passed, I've been at the hospital and everybody goes in and does that last goodbye and they come back out and say, Mike, it's your turn. And I've already said what I needed to say when they were alive. I don't need to go in. And people give me a lot of a lot of grief about that, but I pride myself in having those conversations prior, and I don't need to have them after because when I go in there, I'm talking to myself. But again, this is some of this is getting off of the the sustainability side and kind of pushing us into the philosophical. So I have some stats. I like stats. Get me out of this emotional stuff. Come on. <laughs> okay. So in the U.S. only, in the United States, per year. 20 million feet of wood is used per year for funerals and caskets. 20 million feet of timber. 
20 million. Okay. How, how, um, how accurate is that stat? This is, is that- from, so I would assume it's a little low because it's from, well, it's from the green burial council. But I mean, how recent is it? Like, does this reflect the recent rise in lumber costs? This is two thousand nine. Oh, I want to see it now. <laughs> well, that lumber cost is starting to come down, by the way. So, uh, so that's not the only stat I have. The amount of wood: four point three million gallons of embalming fluid that's is disgusting. used every single year. One point six million tons of reinforced concrete is put in the ground every year for tombs remember they don't dig a hole and lower the casket in they dig a hole and lay a cement tomb in there and the casket goes in the tomb remember our embodied energy discussions about reinforced concrete Mm -hmm. so those all so it's it's designed so that the earth doesn't even get to the casket so i'm still not done Seventeen thousand tons of copper and bronze per year is put back into the ground with us in burials. Oh, yeah, we got those fancy handles, those mm-hmm. nice shiny hinges, those beautiful little metal flowers on there that cost an extra $3,500 because you want the Cadillac and death squads. Mm-hmm. And so all these precious metals that we use for our electronics and everything for the, for the rest of us, 17,000 tons per year. Of copper and bronze go back into the ground. I don't know. My next scrapping trip is going to be graveyard. No digging people up. That's a felony. You don't actually have to open the box. (laughs) Take the stuff off the outside. 64 and a half thousand tons. 64,500 tons of steel. Isn't a ton 2,000? Yeah, rough. Yeah. So then it'd be 64. If it's 64,000 tons, it'd be 64,000, 1,000 pounds. Mm hmm. Okay, just want to make sure. So, uh, yeah, it is... 129,000 pounds of steel! That is how much of those materials we use just in the United States, just here, for burial. You could almost use that to make one of my beds. (laughs) So that is an amazing amount of resources. Especially in a time where resources are are scarce. Resources, uh, I don't know. I I think that, I don't know if I would use the word amazing. I would have said depressing, sad, shocking, awful. Um, um, You use the word amazing correctly. It's just, it's not the connotation people usually associate with it. Right. Amazingly huge, amazingly ridiculously. Talk about poor choices. That's nuts. Uh, Yeah, it's, um, I was surprised when doing the research. Now, granted, a lot of people die every year. I get it. But the amount of resources that we are putting through this process just to not be a nutrient back to the earth, we have multiple barriers. Think about that. To preserve ourselves, we're embalming, encasing, and then encasing Mm -hmm. to ensure that we don't go back to the earth. And in some places, there's laws that force you into it which is absolutely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Now we've talked about the lack of sustainability that comes with human death. Let's talk about options because there has been more and more, and I'm going to call them fringe options. Cause up until this point, it's either the ridiculous burial or you end up in an urn as a powder. Yeah. 
which is at least a little nutrient back to the soil, but we're mostly emissions then. How much do they charge you for the urn? Uh, I can tell you from experience, it can be anywhere between uh, $300 and $1,200. You could use a flower pot, it'd be a lot cheaper. <laughs> they they will give it to you in a plastic bag, if if requested. Good to know. But, so, there are companies out there right now that make biodegradable coffins. Honestly, they just look like wicker. And they use those natural, the natural real thin wood materials, bamboo, stuff like that. So they do, mm-hmm. there are, I don't know if you can actually use it in Michigan, but they, there are companies that do make them. There are companies that offer just a shroud. Remember, this would be, what, 1700s England, where they would put the shroud around the white shroud and then generally put them into a fire. But there are companies that do make those shrouds so that you can use that instead of a coffin. Again, okay. depending on the laws with, you know, in your state or country. And if you're from another country, tell us what you what is standard in your country. That's one. I think that's a miss. We're not we're not leveraging that enough because we're always talking about the United States. And I've only traveled to a few places right now. This show is relatively popular in places like Austria and India and the UK, Canada. Tell us your burial process. What is the normal? Because I'm interested. I want to hear it. South Africa is another place that's list. We have a lot of listeners. Message us. Post it on our Facebook. I'm curious because, my goodness, I, I only know the United States. Is the rest of the countries out there better than us? And maybe that's why I'm seeing these biodegradable coffins and these shrouds. Maybe are other countries allowed to do things different than us? I'm very curious about that. There is using a tree as a gravestone. And I'll that, tell, you, tell you, I just had a dinner here in the city with the individual in town that um, makes gravestones here in town. And he, he immediately said, you can do that. But when that tree gets too big, they're cutting it down. This gravestone will be here forever. OK, so this is going to sound kind of ridiculous. But if they do that, wouldn't there be a really cool I just hear me out on this. But you see those guys that take stumps out of the ground and carve things out of them and they have to cut a tree down. That'd be now you're about a gravestone there. If they're already going to cut the tree down, leave the stump there and then carve a gravestone out of it. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But that was his sales pitch to not use a tree. I want a tree because I'll tell you. In, in in every family, it is tough when you lose someone and you feel like a lot of people feel like they have to travel to the gravestone to have a conversation or they have to travel to something. I would much rather if my kids feel like they need to talk to me and they can't just talk to themselves about it to go sit under a tree and have that conversation. I personally would love to be you know, a nutrient to something and a tree to me. I'm in. I got a I got a grocer option for you i don't know if it ever does this but if no one does do this and they want to take the initiative and steal this idea and be rich i support that idea i think it would be cool to opt out of the embalming process even if close casket whatever because people are going to want to have the funeral but to be buried with time released pat like capsules of insects that that help in the the process of breaking your body down like the, the, the insects that actually eat the worms and so they actually do eat your flesh as it rots like it'd be kind of cool to get like time release capsules put in your coffin or whatever it is you're buried in so a week after you're on the ground they get released open up they do their job i i think that you know that'd be really interesting 
I can kind of one up that. Okay. In, in Seattle, there's mm-hmm. a service that you can have your funeral. Everybody comes in and they have their moment. And then they they keep your body for two weeks and they compost you. And you can actually, your family can actually receive you as dirt, as soil to use to plant anything you want. 25 years later. No, within two weeks. How could it go that fast? Lots of heat, lots of insects. It is, you can look it up, it's in Seattle. They have, they've been uh, licensed now, but you can be compost. That's a, I like that. That's better than my idea. Not much, but it's better than my idea. <laughs> so that is, that is a thing. Now there's also bio urns, urns that break down so that you could, you're only keeping the ashes long enough to distribute them. And then, you know, the, the urn can also break down. So there's a few options out there that actually one I found was you can buy this bookcase. This furniture company makes things like bookcases. Mm -hmm. And throughout your life, you have this bookcase. And when you pass, that bookcase can be disassembled and reassembled as your casket. Is it sold by Ikea? Sounds like an (laughs) Ikea thing. It is not. It is not, which means it might be easier to assemble than Ikea furniture. (laughs) But it is. I swear to you, I found it on there. You would actually, it's by Natural Burial Company. and. so you're the whole time your books are on that shelf, you know, that's my last ride where those books are. They're going to and I don't know how this works. Does the family know that they have to take apart the bookshelf and assemble you know, your casket? You know, how cool. That'd be, you know, think about it. Like you, you go over it with your wife and you're like, this is what I want to do. And then you say anything that's on that shelf when I die is buried with me. Books, whatever it is, like anything that for the sentimental things that people in your family will want to do pictures of you and your kids like preferably no plastic so get over it but that's a really cool idea i there think goes, I, there goes all your knickknacks not mine the best shelf better be 13 feet long <laughs> and, and i have a feeling that jamie would just go around the house looking for any of my science and sustainability books <laughs> and throw them in there too just little extras she doesn't uh, want them. Uh, all the shelves are full just pile it on top <laughs> we'll make it fit I am kind of a book hoarder, but um, <laughs> so there are some options, but right now the industry plays more on the emotions and there's less rational thought because, I mean, let's be honest, composting a body is the way to go on all of them. I would prefer to just be buried naturally with a shroud under a tree, knowing that that will all go back to the earth. But a two-week compost where you can just spread me in the garden would be just as darn easy. You know, it's what we do is disgusting in comparison to what we should do. All these people who've passed never make it back to the earth. And those are nutrients lost. Agreed. And I want to be a nutrient. Now, with that being said, everybody makes their own choices. Mm -hmm. I know some people who, you know, for religious reasons, must be done a certain way. I know, or be buried in a certain place, in a certain process, and that is fine. I understand that, and we have to do what's right and what's comfortable for individuals. For me, I just want to get back to the planet. I want to give back something for all I've taken, and that's where I stand on it. I actually really like that, and I still like my bug idea, but... Anything I'm going to keep them alive in time release. Like, Well, you, you would do the capsules would be like egg sacs, things that haven't hatched yet. Okay. Things that are born with an appetite. 
Gotcha. Um, but and the idea is that they would the company that packaged them would sell them with food. I mean, like look at crickets. You could buy crickets from the pet store, and they come with those little orange gelatin food things. It takes them a long time to eat through that stuff. Right, um, right. But I just think that it would help in the the decomposition phase. I think that would that would you know because when there's no food left, they're gonna scurry off into the ground and they're gonna spread that nutrients. The tree's a great idea. The composting's a really cool idea. I just personally would love to see these become more mainstream. And simultaneously, I don't want to see anyone that owns a traditional funeral home swing in there and try to start charging an arm and a leg for it because it's. It's already the biggest loss and everyone else's. When you go, it's not a big deal for you because you're dead. Your right. your your days of caring are over. But it is the most traumatic thing a lot of people close to you are going to go through. It shouldn't be made worse. It's already a huge taxation on our planet. Whether people realize it or not, it is. And from an emotional perspective, it shouldn't be a huge taxation on, on your family. I don't know. The whole thing's just an emotional wreck. Personally, for me... Whether my bug, whether bugs eat me, you burn me. But if you do, I'll tell you, if you burn me, it would smell like the Waffle House is burning down. It would be <laughs> awesome. Like just, just, just cremate me, and then watch people rednecks come from miles and miles around because it'll be a smokestack that smells like bacon. <laughs> you have been on it today. You know that I'm hilarious. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, this is such a difficult conversation to have, but I think it was one of those ones that you were right. Cause you kept saying you wanted to do this one and I couldn't figure out how to have this conversation in a reasonable way. And, but it is something that needs to be said. It, it is an industry that is, it is far, far out of whack with sustainability and in, in whack with the state laws. Like they, they must lobby. Because I don't think a lot of these options that are on on this list for environmentally sound burials are things that most of those places will do. I don't think that you can get buried under a tree. And meanwhile, what's going to happen is you pass in a hospital, they're going to transfer you directly to a funeral home. Yeah. And that funeral, you're, you're within, you have to find the funeral home that will do the things you want to do. So I guess in my life, I'm going to have to plan ahead you know, figure out how this works because I don't want my family in their worst moments having to make those decisions. No, of course not. None of us do. That's one of the most trying times in everyone's life. And, uh, you know, my grandma passed in winter. One of the best parts about that whole thing is that she had all that stuff taken care of and figured out. It's terrible that she passed, but it was a blessing in disguise to the rest of the family that she had the foresight to take care of that stuff. Because right. it, it's a mess. The whole thing is a mess. And you have these these vamp, these legal vampires that they're just waiting, like waiting for some old person to kick the bucket so they can milk their family for everything they're worth. Mm-hmm. Little Timmy's not getting an inheritance because grandma needs a Cadillac. Right. And that's that's where my personal problems fall into place with the industry. But there is much, much deeper concerns when it comes to the materials and energy and all that stuff. So. That is all I have for this week. I, I want to remind everybody, if you are not in the United States, educate us. Tell us where you live. Is there better burial practices? I don't know the burial practices in India or Africa or the UK. I would love to hear it. So if you if you want, let us know. If you don't want to post it where everybody can see it, send it to us as a message. I'm curious. So thank you so very much for listening. If you like this episode, This one is a little weird, but if you like it, share it. 
share it on social media, send it to a friend or family member. We do greatly appreciate it. If you don't want to do either of those things, that's okay. Leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. All of these things help the show get found. We greatly appreciate it. So that's all we have for this week. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? Then Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org. E-T-H-Y-K.org.